You're listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. Blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Good evening. Merry Christmas. We're glad that you're here this evening. And for a few minutes, we're able to look at God's word together. And uh, would you please turn with me in your Bibles? I hope that you have one to John 3, John chapter 3. If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 3 because I want to show you some things. And if you don't have a Bible, grab one in the pocket of the chair in front of you, okay? And you can grab that. And you can turn to John chapter 3, and you can look with us at the, uh, at the verses that we're going to be talking about this evening for just a few minutes. Uh, these are special occasions. As we gather on nights like this throughout the year, there are certain points that we focus on specific aspects of the gospel. That's what we're doing here. We focus on certain aspects of the gospel at certain times of the year. For instance, during Easter, we focus on the resurrection of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ as well, right? And uh, during the Christmas time, we focus on the birth of Christ. And you know, when we speak of the birth of Christ, when we think about the, the time that we celebrate the birth of Christ, There is far more behind the curtain than we typically discuss. You know, when we talk about the birth of Christ, there was so much in the plan and in the providence of God leading up to Christ's birth. There was was plenty to look at for thousands of years leading up to the birth of Christ, and we typically don't discuss all of the details. I mean, think about this. There was the fall of man and God's initial promise in Genesis chapter three. There was the curse of man there too. And then we see that there was the law of God established in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then there was the ministry of the prophets and the priests and the judges and the kings And then we see in the rest of the Old Testament that God's discipline and God's judgment on sin, there was separation between God and his covenant people, Israel. There was sacrifice for sin by the priests. There was throughout Israel even a privilege to know about the true God, but they did not honor the God whom they knew about. They were dispersed. They were conquered by godless nations. They were left in silence. Really, after the book of Malachi, God said all that he had planned to say to his people, and then there was silence, and there was waiting, and there was longing, and there was hoping, and there was expecting for God to come and save his people. I mean, all of this is packed into 
what we celebrate during the Christmas season. You see, along the way, woven in and out of history of the Old Testament, throughout the entire Old Testament period, God promised to send a king to Israel, one who would sit on David's throne, a savior who would save Israel from their enemies, a priest who would stand forever, a prophet who would come and preach the good news, And though God's people suffered and rebelled against him, God promised to ransom his people back, call them back, reestablish them as his people, and change their hearts. I mean, all of this leads up to it, but you know, this is is really foreign to us. This is alien to us. And this was a little bit alien to them. Do you know that? They didn't know how this would be done. They weren't fully aware of the depths of their sin, the total depravity of the human heart. They weren't fully aware of that. They weren't fully aware that their foundational issue was that they needed a permanent sacrifice for their sins. They didn't understand that this would be a free gift from God to anyone who believed. They didn't understand that God's initiative, a free gift, would lead to forgiveness of sin and positional righteousness before God. They didn't understand that. They didn't understand that they needed spiritual reconciliation, not just physical reconciliation to God. They they didn't understand that they would no longer be subject to their enemies, which their ultimate enemy would be sin, death, and Satan. But they thought that their ultimate enemy was the other nations. They didn't understand that God would give his spirit then to those who are born again to instruct them and convict them and change them and conform them. They did not understand any of this. And they thought God would simply send a king to earth, that God would forgive them in an earthly way and he would lead them and govern them in a a kingdom. And you know, they didn't also know how, but they also didn't know when. I mean, think about this. They expected this to happen before even the 400 years of God's silence. By Malachi, they had expected the Messiah to already come. And then they not only didn't know how, they didn't know when, they also didn't know who, right? Think about this. They didn't know Jesus would be the Christ, that he would have no physical form or majesties that would, that would attract people to them. They, they wondered who. This is what First Peter says. Concerning this salvation, look at this. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. They inquired what person, what time, and how this was all going to work. This is what they searched for. Now listen now. Although this is all of the behind the curtain stuff of Christmas that we don't usually talk about, that stands as the backdrop, the details You know, this is really alien to us and foreign because this stands in a historical context. It stands in a theological context that's alien to us. The only way you will have a full grasp of Israel's waiting, longing, expecting, anticipating of the Messiah would be if you spent your entire life digging through the Bible and understanding it for yourself. That's the only way you could fully grasp what was happening, and even then, you'd probably fall short. And so this is all very alien in our day and time. We, we don't know all of this. It's rooted in a history, in a context, in a theological context over the period of thousands of years. And this is deep, and this is important, and this is, 
This is saving of human uh, kind by the, by the God of, who created them. But this had all a lot of history to it. And I want to tell you something, though. Although all of this includes all of these details, and you know, I didn't even mention the, the pre-existence of, of Christ before he even came to earth, his, his eternal existence in the heavens. I mean, all of this has so much to play behind the curtain of Christ's coming. And yet, let me tell you this, with all of its complexities that you could spend your life studying, and I'm just kind of trying to confuse you so you understand, wow, there's a lot to this, right? With all of the complexities, can I actually tell you something? The message itself is actually very simple. The message itself is actually very simple. You know, when I was praying about what should I share tonight from the word of God, I thought about all these deeply rooted aspects and said, these people don't understand this. They don't understand that. How could we understand this? We're not part of Israel. How could we even grasp this? How could we even put ourselves in this place and expect this? And I thought about all the things that we're covering in the book of Luke that has so much deep roots in Israel's history and the, and the context in which they live in. And I thought about all the things that we've talked about in regards to a, a healthy church and how important it is for us to know what the Bible says about all these things. And I was thinking about all these deep things that we've learned from Luke and Ephesians and Romans. And I thought to myself, you know what? How about that it might be just really refreshing and almost palate cleansing, if you will, for us to notice for just a, me- a few minutes the simplicity of this message. And it really boils down to one thing when we talk about Christmas. You ready? God gave a gift. That's what it boils down to. God, he gave a gift. He gave a gift. And the gift was not only about the birth of Christ. Let me tell you this. Although the birth of Christ was a necessary aspect, the gift was about the gift of salvation. Now listen close now. The gift was not just the birth of Christ. If we just stop by celebrating the birth of Christ and say, praise God, he came then we have fallen short of what the real meaning of his coming was. You see, the birth of Christ cannot be separated from the death of Christ, right? The birth of Christ must remain connected to the death of Christ. The birth of Christ was the first necessary step for the death and the resurrection of Christ to occur. Christ was not just born to be an example. He was not just born to preach. He was not just born to to do good works. He was born to die for sinners. And so it's a really simple message, and perhaps there is nowhere better to look than to see this simple message that God gave a gift of salvation than John 3, 16. Would you read it with me? John chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. How many of you could probably say that without looking at the page? Many of you, right? Well, can I tell you something? You notice also, let me tell you John 3, 17. Look at John 3, 17. I want to point this out to you. Right after this, it's connected to the thought. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You know what that means? It means that Christ's first coming wasn't for final judgment. 
He would come into the world to condemn the world at some point. That'll be his second coming. But as they stood, he didn't come to condemn them permanently in his first coming. That would be his second coming. The first coming was to provide access to salvation. The coming of Jesus was to provide access to salvation. God gave a gift of salvation. John 12 says this, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. But make no mistake, when he comes back the second time, he will be coming to judge the world, right? But here in John 3, 16, we see the salvation came and God gave this gift. And I wanna show you four sides of this gift that we find in this verse. Four sides of this gift that are wrapped up in this verse. Here they are. We're gonna be talking about God's great love, then God's gift, then our response and our reward. All of that is the simplicity of the message. You ready? Great love, gift, response, reward. This is the simplicity of the message of, the, of salvation, which is the gift that God gave during Christmas. It's all wrapped up in this gift. So let's take this one at a time from this verse. You ready? John three sixteen. look at it. It starts with saying this. For God, so what? Loved the world. Now, I want you to notice this. Stay with me. You ready? This verse starts with the word what? What, what is it? For, right? For. Now, listen now. When you see that word for all my English uh, uh, people in, in the audience, right? It connects us with the previous verse. Listen now, when you see this in verse 16, the word for means this. It's either the grounds for what was just said or it's the explanation of what was just said. Do you understand? It's the grounds for what was just said or it's the explanation. Whenever you see the word for, the next thing is either the grounds or the explanation of what was just said right? If I said, you're really going to like Mandeville, right? For they have great uh, tacos at La Carreta's, right? <laughs> it's the grounds for what I just said, or it's the explanation of, of what I mean. And so it connects us to the previous verse. Now, what was the previous verse? Right before this, Jesus tells Nicodemus this. He says in John 3, 14 through 15, so the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have what? Eternal life. This is the gift of salvation that Jesus is describing and the simplicity of, the, of salvation. And so then Jesus goes on in verse 16 and he explains it. He says this. This is the way he chooses to start. God so loved the world. Now pay attention to this just for a minute here. The evil of humanity, the depravity of man, the deep instinctive, pervasive, inherent sinfulness of man made it impossible for them to be right with God. Man stood in a perpetual place of guilt, owing a debt of death to God. And this was an eternal debt because they had sinned against an eternal God, and because human beings are eternal beings, only eternal one way, right? We start, and we are eternally uh, alive. God is eternal both ways, right? And so man will pay the debt that he owes for his sin 
for eternity. Man has broken God's law, God's moral law. He has fallen short of God's glory. He stands at enmity with God. If you're not in Christ, you are his enemy, the Bible says. And we are lawbreakers. There's separation. There's punishment owed. Now feel this for a second. You're guilty before a judge. Romans 3 says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped. The whole world may be held accountable to God. What that means is everyone is guilty. Man stands guilty before God. And let me tell you this, there is no way to pay off that debt because you are perpetually guilty. There's no way to justify yourself before God because of your sin. Man is what Ephesians 2 describes. Look at this, you ready? Separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. You have, you and I have, Israel had no hope, right? This is the foundational issue. issue. And now watch this. God graciously, freely, without any warrant on our part at all, on his own initiative, he wasn't backed into a corner. It wasn't gonna hurt his ratings. He didn't care about his ratings. He sovereignly, think about this, providentially, wisely, omnipotently, mercifully, self-sacrificingly provided the means and affected the means that our debt might be paid, our position made right before him, and our hearts and our lives be slowly changed into holiness. That's love, folks. That's love. Can I tell you something? You, this gift is more free than you even realize. You did nothing. Uh, you have zero part. You have zero contribution to this act of, of paying the debt for sinners. This is more free than you realize. And that shouldn't make you want to live in sin. That should humble you real quick. It is totally free. Like he just, he is on his own initiative giving salvation to people. And listen, that we would know him, enjoy him, see his glory, be made like him. This is love. God on his own initiative. Listen, his compassion his special affection for mankind, his heart of love and grace, our helpless state for our good, for his glory. John 15 says this, greater love has none, no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. First John 4 says this, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, meaning you could see it. It, it was made plain that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The gift of Christmas is not just a gift of a birth, it's a gift of salvation. And the first thing that John tells us about this gift that God gave is that we see it was given by God's great love. And John uses the word so here to emphasize the intensity of God's love. This is the gift of salvation. Now, secondly, I want you to see God's gift. It's God's great love. And then we look at God's gift in 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he what? 
that he gave his only son. That's the gift. That's the gift. Now listen now. That's the gift. This is Christmas. This is what we're talking about, but it far extends his birth. Motivated by love, God gave. What did he give? This is a gift, remember? We are, can I tell you something? You are constantly a receiver. You never give anything to God that he doesn't have. You are only a receiver from God. You are only a receiver, right? If you give anything, it's only out of the overflow of what God has freely given you. And if you have any type of pride in what you have or the control of it, watch how quickly God could just take that right away from you. You give out of the over, you give anything on this earth out of the gracious, free overflow of everything that God has given you. And salvation is the greatest free gift that God has ever given. This is our salvation. Listen, he gave, what did he give? He gave his son, Christ. Now it says this, watch, listen now. It says his only son. You know what that says? It's specifying the divine and unique person and position that Jesus holds. This is the divine, unique, no one's like him. He's the only one, son of God, eternal, divine, unique, son of God. There's no one else like him, right? He gave this. Now watch this. He gave his only son. So God sent Jesus, and now he was born in human flesh. He would live a human life perfectly. He would die as a spotless, eternal, perfect sacrifice for the payment of sin for those who would believe. His perfect life would be credited to anyone who believes. The resurrection would be proof of our justification, and the Holy Spirit would be given to us for our sanctification. Galatians 4 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So God sent his eternally divine son as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies to accomplish what could only be done by God himself to provide salvation, justification, reconciliation, payment for sin, freedom from sin, sanctification. Jesus was the only acceptable sacrifice. He absorbed God's wrath, removing the wrath of God from anyone who believed. He was a sacrifice for us. So God's great love in, in, in spite of our sin, God's great gift of his unique and divine son to live the perfect life, die and raise. And then we move into our response. Number three, John moves forward here and he says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And what does he say? That whoever believes in him. I want you to please note something. Please note the word that. Jesus is moving into a purpose or an effect or a condition. Here's the effect. You could say, where it says that, you could put a so that there, right? Whoever believes, that's the condition. Now, I want you to notice this. Really lock in for just a few more minutes because this is so, so important. This will only apply to those who believe in him. And here's where the true freeness of his gift is really shown, okay? 
Here's the gift. It's there. He's given it. His son has accomplished this work. Now watch this. It's totally free. It's totally free. Whoever believes in him, it's totally free. It's a free gift, a purely sovereign and free gift. There would be only one thing stopping you from having this gift. You know what that would be? Not believing in it. Think about this. It's totally free. If you believe in it, you can have it, right? If, 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 speaking of restaurants again, if, if La Coretta said, hey, look, we got free tacos for everybody this coming up uh, Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, right? Free tacos for everybody. And you said, oh, that can't be true. Then what would you not do? You wouldn't go there, right? And you wouldn't go there and therefore you wouldn't what? Get the tacos. I mean, it's pretty simple. But if, you, if, I mean, if, if you hear that message and you just believe that, it is gonna, that it's actually happening and you go there, you can have free tacos. I mean, it's as simple as that. Listen, you can't receive something you don't believe in it. And if you believe in it, you can ask, you'll ask for it. And if you ask for it, he'll give it to you. I mean, do you understand how free this is? If you don't, you won't and he won't. But if you do, then you will and, and he will. Many wonder, listen now, listen to this. Many wonder how faith connects us with salvation. How does faith connect us with what Christ has done and provide us salvation? And I think in its simplest form, it's this. You only ask for it if you believe it, that it's true. And listen, the only, you only want it for yourself if you believe it's true. And then he freely gives it. So listen to me now, listen, listen. This is a totally free gift, whoever believes in him. Whoever believes in it, this is totally free. It's just to anyone who believes it. If you believe it, then you would ask for it. And if you ask for it, he'll give it to you. Now, I want you to understand this. True belief has a lot packed into it. Okay, when you say, when I say, believe in it, here's the evidence that you believe in it. To believe in this means that you believe you're a sinner. To believe in this means that you believe you're guilty before God. To believe in this means that you want to turn away from your sin. To believe in the gospel means you know that your sin is an offense towards God and and you want him to change you. To believe in the gospel means you desire to be made right before God. To believe in the gospel means you know that you have no righteousness of your own. To believe in the gospel means that you know that the penalty for sin is death in this life and in eternity. To believe in the gospel means you believe in the person and the work of Christ as your only merit for forgiveness and righteousness before God. To believe in the gospel means that you believe that God, by his spirit, will conform, convict, instruct you through his word, through his power, for the rest of your life until you're conformed to his image. And all of this is wrapped up in true belief. And if you have this true belief, you, you can have the gift. I mean, you gotta believe that you're a sinner in order for you to believe that Christ died as the payment for your sin, right? I mean, you gotta believe all of this. But can I just tell you how easy this is? I mean, think about this. We're separated from God. Just think about how simple this is. We're separated from God. God sends this payment for sin. 
If you believe it, you can have it. Then for the rest of your life, God gives you his spirit and his spirit inside you then tells you, hey, this is not like God, this is. Here's what the word says. Here's what it doesn't say. Here's how you gotta change. He's making you more than into his image in, in holiness. And by the way, let me just know, tell you this. True belief doesn't mean you just want life change. I don't like when people just use that word, say, hey, we're all about life change. But listen now, what do you mean life change? Like more fit for this world? Or do you mean more conformed to the standard that God has set, right? You're saved, you're born again, he gives you your spirit, his spirit, and then you wanna become more like he expects. But that's, that's the whole process. Now listen, let me just tell you this. This is a totally free gift. Ephesians 2 says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the what? Gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. It's just a free gift. You have no contributions. It's totally free. And whoever believes in him can have it. And Ephesians 2 says this, after we receive it, where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. You see how true belief even entails that your purpose then is to be changed and to walk with God for the rest of your life. So let me just show you this. This gift that God has given is, we see the side of his love. His gift is his son. Our response is belief. And then here, lastly, John tells us the reward. And he says this, and we're done. He says this, that whoever believes in him should not, what? Perish, but have eternal life. Now, this is pretty simple. Perish means to what? To die. And die not merely on earth, but to die for the, as the penalty of your sin, right? Ezekiel 18.4 says this, the soul who sins shall what? Die. Romans 2.12 says, for all have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. It doesn't matter if you were a Gentile or a Jew, you, everyone is a sinner and held accountable by God, and because of their sin, they will perish without the forgiveness of their sin. Everyone, right? Perish is contrasted with eternal life. So not perish, but have eternal life, meaning this is an eternal death or an eternal life, right? And so those who believe will not suffer the penalty due because of their sin, they will be made righteous before God, and after a brief life on this earth, they won't and can't live here anymore because of the curse, and they'll be taken to rest with God forever and eternity. I want you to think about this for just a second. We're almost done. Just a couple minutes. Listen. Think about this. God, when sin entered the world in the garden, God cursed the world. There would be death that came from it. But think about if God continued to allow people to live in sin eternally on the earth. So God uses all things for good. Death, which was already established, he would then give everybody an opportunity to trust in his son. And then through death, they would be taken out of this cursed world and brought to a sinless place where they would dwell with God forever. And this is God's plan. And so if you will believe, you will not perish and have eternal death, but you will have eternal life, right? And so Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. So church, listen, from this one verse, we see God's great love. We see God's gift. 
we see our response and we see our reward. And God's gift doesn't just focus on the birth of Christ. That's just one aspect. It focuses on the gift of salvation. It's right to celebrate his birth because we realize in retrospect how miraculous it was that God and providential it was that God fulfilled his plan by sending the Messiah. But remember that it was all for a purpose of spiritual salvation for sinners. And I want you to also remember as complex as it is, when you begin to think about all that's behind the backdrop of all this, the details, the history, the theology, it's very sim- really a simple message after all. And we celebrate it during this season and we celebrate a very simple thing, that God gave a gift. And this gift is the gift of salvation. It doesn't just end with his birth. We see his great love. We see this gift of his son. We see our response and we see our reward. Remember this gift during this season. Let's pray. Father, we come and we just ask you by your grace to help us to even meditate more on John 3.16 this evening. As we have discussions with our family, as we have discussions with our, our, uh, our spouse, our kids, as we sit with you and meditate on and reflect on this gift, God, help us to understand that this, this uh, coming was not just about a birth. It was about a, a death and a resurrection. This was a gift of salvation. Help us to remember, God, also, that as complex as this message is, it's also very simple. And God, I pray that we would be ones who believe in it so that we would have it. And God, I pray that we would share it so that others would have it. Thank you, God, that you would send this absolutely free gift by your own initiative, in your own love, to save sinners who are without hope in this world. This is not just to give us a better life. This is not just to make us a more morally accepted family. This is to make us right before you and give us everlasting life. God, I pray that we would remember this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.